Working in a group can be stressful and difficult, but sometimes you can make some incredible connections and build a team. This week, I talk with Andreas and Oscar of Emberpaw Games to talk about their game, Die, Recompile, and transitioning from student work to releasing a finished product. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover projects you may have missed. Today I am here with Andreas and Oscar from Emberpaw Games to talk about their their new game, Diary Compile. And uh, I've been really excited to talk to you two specifically because this is the first time I've had more than one person actually come on at a time. So thank you both for being here. No problem. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. So yeah, I'm so Oscar. Can... Oh, yeah. Uh, you should introduce yourselves. I guess that's a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought I thought the audience might like to know who's who. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh, Oscar, the creative uh, lead of the project. Yeah, and I'm Andreas. I I work with uh, uh, I'm a graphical artist, and I also work with marketing. Oh, very cool! I didn't realize that uh, that was the the jobs that you both had. Um, so can uh, you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves? Sure. I've sort of always known I want to make games for a living. I think I was 12 years old when I found out that uh, Game Maker is a thing. It's a program where you can make uh, uh, your own games. And uh, since then, it's just been like... I've sort of known since I was about 12 years old that I wanted to work with games, making games. That's the age when I uh, discovered a program called Game Maker, where you can make your own little pixel games and stuff. And sort of almost everything since then that I've been doing has sort of culminating, culminated towards this making a game. Right? I, I really wanted to make games in Game Maker, but I didn't know how to program, so I had to sort of learn that. And I didn't really know how to make pixel art, so I had to learn that. And it's just been sort of this uh, giant project leading to this moment for me. That's really cool. Um, you started pretty young then, and you've been working towards that this entire time. Yeah, basically, I've made a whole bunch of uh, crappy prototypes in GameMaker for like 15 years. Um, and it has taught me a lot about design. So I'm sort of a designer at heart, but as I said, I sort of had to learn how to program and make graphics just so that my designs could come to life. But now I have the luxury of teaming up with an entire team of programmers and uh, graphical artists, so I can sort of recede back to being just the designer that I would like to be. Well, it's very cool. I'm very excited for you on that one. And Andreas, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourselves? Uh, yeah, um, in terms of uh, making games, I've, I've been I've been interested in game design for as long as I can remember. Uh, it's funny when I when I was very very young, I would uh, like make these little like level designs on a piece of paper. Uh, but of course, I mean they weren't that great. They would just sort of like spiral around in a weird weird level. Uh, and uh, when I didn't do that, I would draw cats in pants and. Uh, <laughs> Pretend I was making, I was making this uh, Zelda-like adventure, and uh, so I, 
I always knew that like that was like the dream job of working with games, but I didn't think I didn't think it was possible until like uh, I started to I had to choose in high high school, and they asked me like, "What do you want to work with?" And I was like, uh, uh, "I've always wanted to make games." And they were like, "Oh, there's this game school." And I was like, "What? You can you can make games? That's not just for scientists." So uh, now, uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> So by the way, we're from Sweden, and by high school, essentially, that's like college for an American. Oh, right, right, exactly. Oh, so um, that's a little confusing for me because on my end, high school is what you do before, like you even finish your your basic school. You go to um, high yeah, school exactly. and then college or university. That's <laughs> fun little thing to learn. Yeah, right. So, so I guess what I what I meant was high school is like like gym, gymnasium I don't know like what the right word is for it but it's before before university before college uh, point is after after basic schooling when you get to choose your own path yeah college for okay Americans. yeah call it college for north americans gotcha and so that's when i that's when i start to pick up this uh uh like game graphics work and uh i've just trying to just been trying to like broaden my knowledge as much as possible making 2d 2d art and 3d art uh some animations every once in a while uh and uh i'm really looking forward to making this game you guys have been working on diary compile for quite some time haven't you yeah so uh, yeah uh, so we have the the good fortune of having a really nice school where there's a whole bunch of different uh, programs for different aspects of making games here in Skövde, the city is called in Sweden. So there's, for instance, a program just for making music for video games and just writing for video games. Like there's tons of different disciplines. And at the end of the first two years, we're in the third year now, but in, at the end of the first two years, all these different programs sort of get together and make a project over the course of about two months at the end of the year. And uh, what Diary Compile is, the game we're working on, which I'll tell more about soon, uh, it's essentially the year two project, but uh, we, we, we're, we want to make it a full game rather than just the, the prototype we made for, for school. And so your your professors, your teachers, they they put you together in a, a large group, correct? Because Emberpaw itself is only six people, which I think is in, incredible. That's such a a small team for what I've seen this game is. But I'm guessing that year two project was a, a much larger group affair at first. Yeah. So when the project started. The, you, you get basically two people from every different program. So you get two game writers, two musicians, two sound effect makers, two designers, two programmers, or three programmers in our case, two uh, 3D artists and two 2D artists, and one animator. Just tons of people. So we were about 16 people uh, making the prototype. Yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty big team, even in and of itself i think our classes here for game design are considerably smaller for that total i think they might have about 40 people in the entire program and they're not focusing on different aspects from what i understand yeah so in most programs 
all over the world, really, and in most places in Sweden too. There's only like maybe two or three programs for making games, right? There's the 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 coding program, <laughs> learning how to program, and then there's maybe a graphical one. That's usually about it. Maybe there's a third one. Skövde is very unique in that it's it's so <laughs> generous with the amount of programs it has on offer, and so of course they wanna make use of that with these uh, end of the year giant projects. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we we're getting the, uh, the the luxury of actually seeing some of that work come out. I love that I'm, I mean, I'm having this opportunity because I started a podcast and you guys reached out to me and that's, that's incredible. So I, I didn't expect <laughs> international on, on episode five. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> No, we think your podcast is great, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. You have a very soothing voice. Uh, you know, I've gotten that a lot throughout my years. Yeah, you have a podcast <laughs> voice. So, Diary Compile is your first publicly launched game as a group. What drew you to the genre of it? Because it's, uh, it's, I'm guessing it's like a roguelike bullet hell sort of thing? Yes, yes. Okay, so it's finally time to talk about the game. So, <laughs> let's go. Um, for those listening, you could google or youtube it right now die recompile there is a trailer you could watch to get a sense of what it looked like about a year ago when we finished our year two prototype um but essentially the game is a roguelike and for those who don't know roguelikes are games like uh, enter the gungeon or the binding of isaac or the recent hit hades these are games where when you die, you start from the beginning. You sort of lose all the loot you picked up and stuff. And, and an entirely new world is generated. That's what a roguelike essentially is. And um, our sort of unique selling point, our angle on it, is that when you die, the game doesn't really end. The narrative continues. So you play as a clone of your previous version. So the game goes on and the world actually remains. So usually a new world is generated every time you die in a roguelike. But in our game, all the damage you've caused, all the holes you've blown up, <laughs> all the walls you've blown to pieces, that remains. And so you're dealing sort of with a save file that gets, gets more and more sort of destroyed and ruined for dozens, potentially hundreds of hours until you reset and create a new world. That is a very cool take on the roguelike because there is so much that that could mean like bosses that you fought previously could be way more difficult the second time around yeah yeah oh there's there's so many design possibilities that come from this so first off one of the things we have is that where, where you die your old clone remains and when you get there you sort of have to fight your own previous version as a mini boss and it's a self-balancing feature because the previous clone has the stats and weapon that you had when you died. So like the better you've gotten at the game, the harder the clone becomes that you're battling. That's really cool. And uh, with bosses, we can have uh, really dangerous bosses with uh, permanent health that remains from clone to clone. So you could be whittling down the health of a boss, you know, Play life after life, clone after clone, and finally, after 20, 
fights with the boss, you finally kill it, and it drops a permanent uh, chest or something where you always get a re extra an extra good weapon or something right where you killed it, something like that. And that's the balancing that you're talking about there, then. What's that? Balancing? Yeah, so that's how you balance out the difficulty, correct? So, like, it's... Um... Yeah, it's incredibly difficult to get to that point, but once you do, you have your little your your treat there waiting for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's the, the really tricky part is designing the game so that it will be fun the hundredth hour on the same save file. We, we we haven't really gotten that far yet that we can truly evaluate that, but that really is the tricky part, right? To have the to have these uh, little goodies, these little rewards designed well so that the balance is good it gets harder but not too hard too fast and stuff like that yeah that's yeah that's really cool i'll definitely be looking into this deeper then uh another thing i want to talk about is actually the art direction of diary compile it's uh it feels from what i've seen i don't know if this is just because they are uh gifs or uh older videos but it has this tilt shift almost toy-like atmosphere and perspective uh <laughs> is the game how you envisioned it originally or how has it changed we knew we had to so for for the um the year two project the, the big project we knew we had to have a sort of simple cartoony look just so that it would be doable quickly doable but it is also a good fit to have a very cartoony game when you have the top-down perspective. If you have a very realistic art style with a top-down perspective, a lot of details in the textures and tiny little sunglasses or whatever, they get lost. So the, it's always a good idea to, especially as an indie, to consider making something very sort of cartoony and simple. Because even that is a, is a big uh, challenge. All right. Um, has there has there been any big big changes since this uh, this began? This is definitely for both of you. What what some of the what some of the things that you maybe wanted to implement or tried to implement and it just didn't work? I'm not sure, Andreas. Do you know something? Do you have something? Well, I'd say like one of the, the bigger challenges was, uh, for example, like perhaps the boss. Um, that's uh, so so what so one thing uh, that. Uh, that, that's that's worth mentioning is that uh, I was not part of the original team that developed the the prototype. Um, I'm I'm now part of like the the newer group that's been shaped to in order to make the second game. Oh, okay. That's I. You know what? I think you guys had told me that, and I I had gotten it mixed up. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty big adjustment then too, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's funny. I was. Uh, it's funny. I was. Um, I was actually like during during those game projects. Uh, I was uh, I was one who pitched another another game, and was the creative lead for that. And uh, I was later approached by Oscar to if I wanted to like keep working on this game. And I, I immediately immediately got excited. And uh, because this was one of the I thought this was one of the coolest games I've seen. So so Andreas made essentially he was the lead on a game that is essentially. Pokemon, but with but with a bunch of cute dogs, basically. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it was very impressive. And I know Andreas from before, also as a friend. So he seemed like a good, uh, you know, a good person to have on the team. Someone who is ready to wear a lot of different hats, too. Because that's something you need when you're six people in an, in an indie studio. There are so many different tasks that 
you have to divvy up. So, so Andreas, for instance, as we mentioned earlier, he also does marketing. So he will be doing Twitch streams more and more into the future, um, playing the game and drawing and stuff. And yeah, it's important to f find people who are very sort of open to wearing a lot of different hats. Sort of versatile. And I get that impression by uh, all the few of you that I've talked to. I, I think I've, well, at this point, I've talked to half the team, and you all seem to be, yeah, well, I mean, you two and then uh, Frida as well. So it's it's been really exciting for me because I'm starting to get to know Diary Compile a little bit through you guys, and I've, I've talked with you. So for me, this is actually starting to get to be something I'm really excited about. <laughs> Yeah, I wanna. I should have mentioned this a lot earlier, but so your listeners know, there is going to be a free version of the game coming out sometime this summer. It it won't be quite as ambitious as the actual game. That uh, I, so we're sort of polishing the version we made for school, releasing that for free on itch sometime this summer. But then what we're really doing, uh, the six of us, we're working on sort of the real diary compile, where we sort of reboot the graphics a little bit, remake a lot of models. Because a lot of the models we made for the student project, we can't actually use them because we made them using a student version of Maya. It wouldn't be legal. Oh, so that's a, that's a huge difference then. If you're, you're basically going to have to recreate the game from the ground up then. So, yeah, exactly. So we have to re redo all the art. So a big sort of, it's still going to be very cartoony, but it's an opportunity for us to reboot exactly what kind of cartoony it's going to be. Uh, but luckily, we can keep a lot of the code, like the, the code we can keep a lot of. It's more that the art that has been made with student licenses, uh, that the art has to be replaced. And that makes sense to me, too. Uh, a question that I actually have for Andreas, because I've talked to a couple of other designers here, and marketing is um, is always very difficult, especially when you are a small independent studio. Uh, things like this, I'm guessing, help start to get the word out, but how how is it trying to uh, build up a small following prior to the release of this game? Oh, I... That's, that's, so that's a that's a tricky question. Um, uh, I'm st I'm starting to learn more about marketing as we're doing this. Uh, I am. Uh, this is something that's also kind of new to me. But I'd say I'd say one thing that's I'd say is one of the more important things is to like grab an opportunity when you when you see it. Um, like right like right, right now what we're doing is we're trying to be active mostly on like Twitter and Twitch. Uh, but for example, like. Like, like the fact that we got in contact with you, like that's like that, that already there, like that's a great start. Just so, yeah, so like, this is a great opportunity that we couldn't have predicted at all. It's all about grabbing opportunities. Exactly. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it means like, 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 like it's different. Like some people, some people respond and sometimes you have to be lucky, but if, as long as you're constantly active, as long as you're constantly trying to keep your momentum going then i'd say like that 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 will make you slowly grow and uh, also like have have patience it's not like very few people like have their games like blow up immediately just uh, so just try to try to keep yourself active i'd say 
and uh, also like stay connected with your community. That's also really important. It's also why we have this Discord channel for our, our fans. Yeah, and just so they know, with your guys' permission, that'll be linked down in the description below. That would be amazing. So, yeah, if you join the Discord, I mean, you can uh, help shape the game. Quite literally, give us ideas for what you would like to see in the game, and you 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 know you can talk about what you like and don't like about the game, and follow our journey towards real release of the actual game. So you mentioned it actually uh, a moment ago when you were talking about uh, indies not a lot of the time or games in general just not having a huge fan base, and you have to kind of start from somewhere before uh, and get your inspiration and kind of get attachments and you'd mentioned a couple other roguelikes before so what are some of the inspirations for this game then maybe the biggest inspiration is a game called nuclear throne i don't know if you've heard about it but it's it's a 2d top-down roguelike shooter like ours only it's 2d instead of 3d uh, and it, it's been very influential uh, enter the gungeon also binding of isaac but you, you can always sort of grab things outside the genre, genre too. There, there are, you can have, of course, wider principles that extend beyond genre of what you like and don't like. So, for instance, I, I really hate when control is taken away from the player for no reason. So, I'm okay, for instance, if you play a game like uh, Fallout or Skyrim, that the, the control is taken away from your camera when you're in the middle of a conversation, because it's a conversation, you're still doing something. But for instance, when you are about to enter a battle in uh, Pokemon, the game sort of freezes, and there's, there's this little animation that plays before the actual battle starts, and during those, I don't know, three or four seconds, I wish I could just click a button to skip that, because my, I have no other, nothing to do but to sort of just wait for a few seconds so the w wider principles like that can come from any sort of wider context i definitely understand that whole control thing i've had such mixed feelings about cutscenes for the past couple yeah, of years exactly. <laughs> yeah so so where this really so what really opened my eyes to this idea of not taking away player control is half-life one and two very famous games that what, what they do is they essentially, there, there are a few exceptions, sort of, but they essentially never take control away from the player. You're always in the first perspective controlling your character. If you can't move, for instance, it's a part of the story. You're in a harness or whatever, you're stuck, right? So it's in-game, the reason why you can't move is sort of explained that way, instead of it just being a cutscene where you can't move for no real reason. So, so, so you also have some pet peeves with <laughs> cutscenes, do you, Zach? Uh, I do. Uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I think it depends on the style of game, to be perfectly honest. I have an easier time with uh, things like JRPGs and stuff, because they go from quick-paced to slow-paced, but I can definitely agree with the Pokemon battle animations, that kind of stuff. So, so the thing about the Pokemon <laughs> animation is that it's very, it, it is very short. The problem is that after the 3,000th time, <laughs> it just feels so pointless. Like, why not just have a button I can press again to sort of speed through it? <laughs> That's very true, actually. So one of the big things that we talk about on the show is, and what actually inspired me to start this, is that during COVID-19, a lot of things happened, and during this pandemic, but 
things were very different in Sweden compared to America and Italy and Canada. Did that really affect you guys at all? Well, so COVID hit basically before a few months before the year two project began last year. So the entire diary compiled project with the group of 16 had to be made under COVID circumstances. So we were all working from home and we had to sort of make our own schedules and make sure we met up every day on Discord and had meetings. And it required some us taking responsibility, right? For not, not every group had the same experience of knowing who's in charge and when meetings are and stuff like that. So we had some strict rules there and it worked out great. And it's sort of the same thing now. It's working from home and talking a lot on Discord. Communication is key. Yeah, it was it was even the same with the with the group that I was part of, where everybody worked entirely from home. And I, I remember there were some people who uh, were sort of like, some of them were in school and uh, they had like sort of a split in the groups. But for us, it was just we just decided that like for everyone's safety we're just gonna stay like at home and it meant having a meeting uh each day i believe we had and uh i felt like it it was it was very tricky at first because especially for me uh i have a much easier time communicating with people when it's in person uh but if anything it was a perfect like learning opportunity uh, <laughs> since that's just and like obviously it's it wasn't it like it there's there was nothing like like I, I would I would much rather have it have that not happen obviously but there were like sometimes that's just how how you gotta work in this industry yeah and you, you're hearing about that a lot I mean and and some companies really suffered from it other companies really grew I find that the indie scene during COVID nineteen actually got a huge bump where the AAA games kind of. Kind of crashed as we saw a couple of those big ones go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the really big studios have it trickier to go remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard about that with some with some of bigger companies. Well, you had things like Cyberpunk happen, and that was <laughs> that was a game that came out. It, it certainly was. was. <laughs> So this is the the first game that you guys are are releasing, and Emberpaw is obviously something you're really hoping is successful. Has there been any other, um, maybe even daydream games that you've thought about, either of you? <laughs> well, are we, are we talking about like, just like like dream games that's like you're like, oh, that would be. Anything that you'd love to release, any genre, anything that you think would be really fun just to have out there. Well, uh, this is kind of going back to the cats and pants thing, I guess. But uh, one thing that uh, I, I've been talking about with uh, some of the group members is that one thing that I have uh, been working on so much on the side is like this idea of like a fantasy world filled with animal, like animal characters. Uh, have you heard? Have you heard of the book Redwall? I love Redwall. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> it's so far. Oscar Oscar recommended me the book, and I started reading, and it was something, the idea was something similar to that, like the idea of like Lord of the Rings, but with animals and uh, uh, like a top-down Zelda game-ish. 
uh, at the moment, I, I can't like picture it exactly how you like would pitch the game, but it's <laughs> that would be that's certainly something that's on my like dream list of like if uh, depending on how it goes and like if if one would have time, then that would be really fun because there's so much there's so much fun you can do with that, and I've already made like a ton of different designs for for that for those characters. So Andreas, but I'm guessing you uh, having having art there. It's uh, a little bit easier for you to kind of doodle out your your visions. Then, uh, I'm sorry. Wait, what, what's the what? What do you mean? Uh, you just you had mentioned that you would do level design and stuff like that, and having that as part of your background there, I'm guessing that daydreaming about these different kind of things might come a little bit easier for you to manifest uh, out in front of you. Oh yeah, for, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the like I one of like my favorite things in, to do in general is just concepting things. Uh, I remember we had this, like, this project that we worked on before, me and Oscar, that was like this animation project. And uh, one of the, like, <laughs> one of the things we decided was just like, oh, you're going to have a bird companion. And immediately I started geeking out and just drew like a bunch of creature designs. Uh, How many? It's, <laughs> I think it was like, what was it, 97 or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. Different that's designs incredible. for like <laughs> it was really fun, but that's that's the thing. Like I I sometimes so so the problem that I have sometimes is that my problem is that sometimes I, I have a trouble like concentrating too much on like one thing or like making one specific artwork for a real long time, but just making like different sketches can do it all day, and that's that's why like and I've always I've always loved doing that like. That's why, like, I remember before I went to this to this school, like, I, I talked with my family, and they were like, "Oh well, you know, like game design is it's 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 great, but can you make money out of it? Like, do, do like maybe like do you want to work with web design?" And at the time, I thought maybe, but I think I I realized as I've been here that like, no, this is this is where I this is what I want to do. One of my favorite things about this is I I get to listen to people who talk about their dreams, and so whenever I hear stuff like that, it makes me really happy just to just to know that there's people out there who are getting to to follow those those dreams and i really truly hope for the success of this game for you guys <laughs> thank you so much thank you man so we don't have a whole lot of time left but one of the things i want to ask both of you guys is uh my my final question for every single episode and what advice would you give people wanting to get into game design slash development that have no prior experience okay so the scariest part is just that first step, right? You don't know where to start. And the, the, so the biggest thing, when, when you want to make games, you have to learn how to be sort of independent and learning yourself. So what you really have to do is just decide on one thing. Do you want to learn how to make pixel art or do you want to start with learning 3D modeling or is it a tutorial on how to make games in Unity you want to start with, you have to decide and you have to sort of tackle it in your spare time. And it's all that is also a great opportunity to realize whether or not it is actually for you. Because a lot of people romanticize what making games is. They, so some people, especially young, younger people, conflate playing games and making games. So in your spare time, you know, download Game Maker or follow a Unity tutorial. Just do something. It could be really anything, but you will very quickly realize whether it's something you actually want to work with or not. Yeah, and even though I think I think 
this is something that I think a lot of people already have already said, but I think in this industry it, it requires a lot of ambition. If you're if you're just looking for like a job to make money, it's probably not the best, since it's it's very tricky to start. Uh, like it's it's tricky to start an indie studio, but also like to get a job at a AAA studio, it's there's a lot of it's sort of it's difficult to get your d dream job unless you're really ambitious. And uh, but one thing that I also want to add is that you have to realize that there's like a difference between loving to play games and loving the experience and the behind the scenes of it all, the making of it, just to sort of like realize the where where you want to be. That's some some incredible advice. Thank you so much for for sharing that. So where where can people find you guys? Which uh, which socials would you guys most likely be able to find them on? So, uh, first of all, you should consider following us on Amberpaw Games. There you can see screenshots from game assets and get some up small updates and stuff like that. You should also consider joining our Discord if you want to have a very sort of uh, direct opportunity to influence the actual game. Uh, follow the link from Zach. Uh, also, consider, as I mentioned earlier, to look up on YouTube die recompile check the trailer up and you can also follow us on twitch where it's also emberpod games where you can watch us either either work on the game or you can watch me goof around making sketches and uh, taking requests or playing games all right thank you both so much for coming on thank you andreas for sharing what you did thank you oscar for talking about what you did and emperor games andreas and oscar are scheduled for launch really soon take care of yourselves have a good night same have a good one thank you thank you again to andreas and oscar for joining me this week and thank you as well I love hearing the feedback that you give me and all the things that you're working on. If you like the show and want to hear more, you should tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread this type of show. And I know we're going through a really weird time right now. Um, we're over a year into this pandemic, but I just wanted to let you know if you need a space to talk to somebody, I'm willing to listen. You aren't alone. We'll get through this together, I promise. The next episode of Scheduled for Launch is going to be on April 20th, and I'm going to be talking with B one of the creators of a free-to-play tabletop role-playing game called World of Wildevere. Until then, take care.